Welcome to the Fairly Odd Show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Fairly Odd Show. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Flint. I have with me Glenn Jacobson. What's going on, everybody? You heard that uh, nice intro we got, uh, Matt Makovic. Go look him up on Spotify. Crazy coincidence, coincidence is that we have Matt Makovic here, but to not talk about bowl, uh, not talk about Spotify, but talk about his bowling career. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Mav, we want to thank you for being on the show. You were actually the first guest to come on here and interview you, man. How does that feel? It feels great, honestly. Uh, I haven't done really much of interviewing in my in my days, so it feels it's kind of an honor to have you guys bring me on here and uh, allow me to talk about everything I've learned in the bowling world and everything tonight. So you, you could make the standards high for the next person we interview, or... You can set the standards really fucking low. Exactly. <laughs> it just depends on how it goes. It goes either way, man. Exactly. Yeah, so, exactly. So for the people who don't know, uh, Maverick, obviously, like we said, is a bowler. He, um, you know, he's an up and coming competitor in the pro bowl, uh, pro bowling world, and he has ten plus three hundred games uh, and an ambassador type player that is in the loop with a lot of stuff going on in the bowling world. And uh, he is here tonight to talk to us and give us a little bit of insight into the bowling world. So we already gave him a little intro, but Mav, why don't you start off by telling us, you know, what made you get into bowling? I know that that's kind of, you know, a weird sport, but, you know, give us a little insight into what, you know, what fueled you to go that way. Yeah. So really, I got into bowling uh, when I was about 11 or 12 years old. And uh, I'd say around 12 is when I started taking it seriously. Um, and it was really my family and my grandparents uh, that they bowled a lot uh, over in Kernersville at a league. Um, going and doing family bowling trips and stuff with them all the time was always was always really fun for me. I always loved the atmosphere of uh, the lanes and hearing the pins and everything crash. So um, something in me just wanted to, to get better and better every year since I was 11 or 12 years old. I ended up getting my first ball uh, drilled up just for me when I was uh, 12. Um, so I ended up throwing that for a while, uh, eventually started to have some two games over 200s and 200 games. So whenever that starts to happen, you know, most guys that are just getting into bowling, it's a, it's a real confidence boost to keep going. And and uh, see how far you can really take everything. So um, it was a, it was around uh, let's see twenty twenty now. So it, it's been it's been about a decade uh, or more that I've been in the bowling. So world. how old are you now? Twenty three now. So what most people don't know. That's probably literally yeah. my best bowling scores have been a twenty three, yeah. dude. I fucking yeah. suck, and yeah. I need bumpers. So <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible. But you're twenty three now, correct? Right? As we yeah. said. Most people probably expect bowlers, professional bowlers, to look like the Big Lebowski. You know, kind of chunky with the, the black top. <laughs> yeah, no, man. Well, this... if you see, Mavericks, are, he's a beautiful man. He's got yeah. tattoos, he's got a full sleeve. Yeah. He's wearing they're, they're done really well, too. This, it's not the, the Russian bullshit. The yeah. bowling world has changed in the sense that these guys, especially the formats that the PBA puts up these days, and uh, before I even go further with that, I'll say I'm not an active PBA member or a former member, but I have competed in quite a few PBA events. Um, and at any point, I am eligible to uh, become a PBA member. But for me, it's really uh, it's really just being out there with those guys that are on the pro bowling tour. And people don't realize how athletic they have to be these days um, when you know you get a, an eight or ten game format, and then you got to wake up the next morning and and bowl another. Eight games. Some tournaments I've seen, you got to bowl another sixteen games. Just a lot of games in one day. 
a lot of stress on the body. A lot, a lot of stress if you're right-handed, a lot of stress on that right arm. Yeah, a lot of stress So there on is the no elbows. jerking off yeah, for yeah, those guys. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, mean, I put a lot of stress on my right, <laughs> yeah. my right wrist with carpal tunnel yeah. and everything, but not full arm. I don't have to go that hard. If he's blessed, yeah. you may use two hands, but, yeah. I mean, even at that point, it's... Yeah, yeah, and one thing people don't uh, know about me fully, but most most of the guys that know me know uh, that I used to bowl one-handed, and uh, it actually took some uh, it took some courage of my own to switch over to two-handing. But I was in a phase where I was throwing the ball really good with two hands as well, and I was working with a coach. Uh, his name is Ron Clifton. He's a world-class bowling coach, a great guy out of Winston Salem, North Carolina, and. Uh, you know, he helped me work on the two-handed bowling game without using a thumb in the ball. Um, basically, no, kind of helped me cultivate that skill. <laughs> uh, I think one of the holdups for me as a one-hander was how shredded my thumb would get um, after you know an eight-game format or something, or ten games in a day that you got to bowl, and then by the end of the day, your thumb is shredded, especially if if everything in the ball doesn't fit a hundred percent properly. So. Um, for me, it was a big step to, to switch over to two-handing and take my thumb out of the ball and still know that I can succeed and compete at a high level doing that. Um, you know, it's one of those things. So how does someone get good at bowling? You know, for me, it's always been like a recreational sport where we would go when we were in high school, get fucked up, and really just throw the ball as fast as we could or as hard as we could. And really what I was told as a kid by my dad, and he thought he was a professional bowler, is you know, you have the arrows on the lane is to make your right foot or the foot that you're throwing with like, ain't like line up with the second to right arrow to the right and then release the ball at the same time without bending your, your elbow. So, yeah. I mean, what, how do you practice and how do you get better at a sport like bowling? Um, it's really, the, the thing I've come to learn about bowling is it really is like every other sport in the sense of you've got to practice all the time to, uh, to make perfect. And when I was 12 years old and uh, 13 years old, getting into my early teen years, um, I was fortunate enough that I actually did some homeschooling, which allowed me to bowl a little bit more during the days, um, because that's what I wanted to do every day after I finished schoolwork. So, um, you know, a lot of times my parents or my grandparents would take me out to the lanes, and I went through a phase for like a few years there where I was bowling almost every day it, I mean on average probably five six days a week um, in the bowling alley just practicing like you said hitting whatever certain arrows I wanted to hit uh, practicing the release how your hand comes out of the ball um, just practicing every every little different thing that you can practice um, and I would say anybody trying to get better that would be the main takeaway just like every other game is you've got to practice a lot and, and put in the work so you were homeschooled right I was school. I was homeschooled most of high school. Um, so you could have just said fuck school and yeah. putting fingers in holes, but not, yeah. not the kind of, not the kind of holes that we put fingers. In. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I. Uh, you know, my brother was um, at, in a time period where he was starting to uh, work on sort of business life of his own, and he was two years older than me, so he worked out with my parents uh, where he was able to be homeschooled, and I just kind of jumped on that wagon. And there were times where I missed public school, too, and I did go back for a whole year in high school at one point. But uh, 
all in all, it definitely was a big uh, benefit when it comes to the bowling world and my different hobbies. I was able to practice and, and cultivate everything a lot better. So being homeschooled and, and taking most of your time to bowling, like, was your social life fucked up? Like, how, how did that look, man? Because <laughs> I know sometimes people who are homeschooled, yeah, yeah, and, man. you know, I'm not calling out everybody, but, you know, I've, some I, of my I'm friends are socially no, weird. It's socially uh, awkward. Yeah, yeah, and because it, they it don't really have interactions. So on, on the person. And uh, I certainly was kind of one of those people that was in between. I wanted to have a big social life with all my friends and stuff. I did miss a lot of people from school. Um, but at the same time, I think where bowling became a blessing is I started making a lot more friends, too, in the bowling world. Um, people that I met at the bowling alley, other people around my age that were kind of had the same goals um, in the bowling world. So I ended up, you know clicking with all of these people in that world and uh, was able to have a lot of friends through that avenue too without mm-hmm. going to school uh, by doing that. But but it really is different for everybody. And, um, you know, school is one of those things. It sucks, but it's nice to see your friends <laughs> and, and yeah. socialize every day. And, and put fingers in holes. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> dude. Uh, so, you know, we talked a little bit about the, your background, uh, your homeschooling, the social life. And you mentioned something about, you know, making friends through through bowling, man. So that actually transitions perfectly into the next question I was going to ask you is, you know, who is one of the coolest bowlers that you had the opportunity to bowl with? And then who was one of the biggest douchebags that you really, yeah, that you really cannot stand, man. But, you know, you have to give a little bit of a positive when you're about to trash someone. So we need to hear both. Okay. Okay. All right. Oh, man. Do it the biggest role model first because we want the juicy stuff at the end. Uh, the biggest role model, um, let's see, I'm, I'm going to keep it simple here because there are a lot of guys that I know personally that are local players and stuff too, but I would say somebody who's a big role model that was really nice to me once, somebody who was a big role model who I thought was kind of acting up once is I'll give Norm Duke as my role model mm. um, because I, I, I had the privilege of in 2012... And for those that don't know, Norm Duke has uh, gone down in history as one of the greatest bowlers of all time. Um, I'm not even exactly sure how many tour titles. I think over 40 national tour titles. And I had the privilege in 2012 when I was at the U.S. Open uh, when I was 14 years old of getting to bowl on the same lanes as Norm Duke uh, in the practice session um, the day before the tournament actually started qualifying. And uh, I remember I was just kind of astonished that I was on the same lanes bowling next to this guy who I've seen on TV just like so many times, one of the greatest of all time. And and the man did nothing but but smile toward me and made very pleasant comments of, of how much he liked the way that I rolled it, um, kind of how much potential I had seeing that I was a 14-year-old. was just, just a down-to-earth, super nice guy. So, um, so what we want to know is, can you beat him yeah. now? <laughs> so, so <what laughs> like, is, he like the way you handled some balls. Yeah. Norm Duke, I don't think anybody in the bowling world, no matter how good they are, is ever going to step up and say, yeah, I'm, I, can, I can beat Norm Duke. But the mm. thing is, we all, if we're in a competition that he's bowling as well, you have to believe deep down that you can beat Norm so Duke. So he's like the Michael Jordan of bowling. Um, I would say Norm Duke and Walter Ray Williams Jr. and Pete Weber, uh, those three guys. I've heard that name before. I heard Pete Weber. He's like the Magic Johnson of basketball. Yeah. Does he have AIDS? Who is the who's that little who's the weird? Mu- so. Oh, isn't he the one that's on ESPN? He does all that weird shit. 
He always yells. Is he the one? Always yeah. Yells? Yeah. He, he's yeah that. That's what it is. Yeah. He's like Josh Norman. Yeah. Yeah. So who was the guy with the red hair, man? Because I'd be seeing him all over the place, and he both pretty good. I just need to know who it is. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. you guys Kyle? are aware that I did a, a private match with him. That's uh, Kyle. Tell Truman. us, oh my God, you have to tell us about the private match, <laughs> yeah. dude. That's really well, what we want to hear almost, here. Let me just say, yeah, uh, Kyle Troop. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have a couple private matches with him recently, um, but I before I say anything else, I want to say he is he is a stand up guy. Uh, he's he's. Since I've encountered him, he's been a very nice guy, and he is one of the national tour players right now. Um, one of the players, I believe, that represents Team USA when yeah. we're overseas in the Weber Cup. Um, just an all-around great bowler. Uh, came from a great family. Um, his father, Guppy Troop, was a, a, a national tour titleist for many years on the tour. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I was fortunate enough to kind of reach out and get a private match with him that we did over in Kernersville, just private on a house Whoop. shot. And, and uh, <laughs> I ended up winning that match. Let's go. Um, which was awesome for me, kind of a confident excuse for me. But, yeah, dude. But I wasn't That's taking huge. it in a way of like, it was one of those things where like you, when you start looking at the people you look up to and you want to be like them, you have to get to a point where you believe that you can beat them too and test it out yeah. to ever gain that confidence. So. Um, and, and a few weeks later, you know, like a month later, we did another private match over at Triad Lanes in Greensboro, and he spanked me in that match. So so how much money was on the line? Did you guys bet money? Like, how did this come about? Did he, like, private message you, talk um, shit? I, I posted something in our kind of private Southeast page with about 2,500 bowlers in the Southeast region, um, kind of calling him out to see if he would come do a match with me for uh for around 500 or 700 dollars Ooh! and uh he did come out and uh we had that match it was a great time uh for me i you know it's one of those things where uh it, on any given day when you have good players uh anybody can beat anybody yeah of course on the conditions and and yeah. what's going on that day so like I said, it was a it was a blessing and a confidence boost mm. to be able to do that match with him and and pull off a win there in Kernersville. Um, and he is a YouTube, but, he's a YouTube, doesn't he? Doesn't, uh, doesn't he use YouTube or something like that? And he like more of a modern bowler. Yeah, he's yeah yeah. Where he's, he's big in the he's social a media. Guy. Um, so yeah, he's not he, like the older generation that you know doesn't have like the social media. He's he's using social media to his advantage. Yeah, I well I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I say Kyle um, does a good job. Uh, utilizing his social media to to promote, you know, um, everything about his brand. You know, he's got his own brand. Uh, and his signature Red Afro. And, yeah, the signature Red Afro, exactly. Well, you and, beat uh, him the first time, which is what we wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As, I think what was the score? Was rooting for the underdog at that What's point, the so. score? That you beat him? It was like 299, 298? Like, how well, does it work? here's the thing. When we, when we bowled each other... Um, we did best of seven. We did best of seven both matches. And the first match, I came out and I shot, I think, 755 or something for three games. So I averaged, uh, I was averaging uh, around 250 for those three games. And I won those first three games. Um, I ended up losing the second match, kind of lost my grip, shot like a 160 or 170 game, and he shot a 276 on me that mm. game. 
So he took that match, and then I kind of just reeled it in, and I think I won that last match, um, like 230 to 215 or something like that. Was it, So is there any trash um, talking in bowling? There's trash talk. There's definitely trash talk. Uh, How do you trash just, talk like you got a weak-ass arm or more? <laughs> I mean, your spin sucks ass. It's one of those things that I think ball certain, strike. certain yeah. competitors will, if they're bowling you and, and they know that, they could put the foot on your neck with this strike or the next strike. They might be liable to go up and do it and then kind of look at you or get in your face and, and kind of call you out to step on that, like step up to that, you know, mm. just different things. I just um, imagine the order mail, balling your strike and coming back and finger gunning it. A hundred percent what I would do if I was really good is I would do like the degeneration X suck it, dude. Oh, like you know, yeah. yeah, just like yeah, because that's like you don't even have to say anything. That's just one of those moves where you're like, it's the ultimate, most disrespectful like, thing, especially when you're losing and you get a hit with that. I thought that was, oh, what about the Hardy Boys who did that in WWE? Was the Hardy? Nah, Boys? that was Degeneration X. The Hardy Boys did like more of like a, a twist of fate where they like you know, pulled across Pete their Weber, face, like ah, uh, something like dumb Pete shit. Weber, the legend does the cross chop is what he does. See, that's that's that's, yeah, that's kind of what it is. Alpha as fuck. Yeah, but except yeah. you you and cross your probably hands. Probably one of the yeah. you know, and you're down. one of the biggest guys who's been kind of loud and flashy over the years but again it's it's kind of part of his brand as a bowler it only brings more attention and more popularity yeah. as a player on tour so i would just wear jorts i'd wear jorts and he's and good enough really tight he's good yeah. enough to, to say whatever he wants so, so who, who wins in a fist fight kyle troop or uh what's the other guy's name oh my gosh or pete weber, pete weber. Jesus. <laughs> he's like i'm not gonna want to answer this because this is getting posted in my pba uh, thing yeah. I mean, all right if you want me to answer honestly uh i, I would assume <laughs> kyle troop would probably win that fist fight because he's, uh, he's 29 years old and he's in great shape and, hey and and pete weber, old. Pete weber i don't know is, I, I think you know in his in his 50s or so he's uh, probably got a solid hook from i think throwing. as a smaller figure in general you know kyle's Probably so closer to six foot. Is, you know, is bowling one of those sports now where you can just go on forever and keep playing until like you're as old as fucking dirt? Well, like Tom Brady listen, in football. Listen, I'm not going to say all that, but I will say it is one of those sports because it's not necessarily a contact sport with with other full grown men that are hitting you and, and stuff like that. Um, Unless you can, you, 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 yeah. you have people like Pete Weber, like Walter Ray, and Norm Duke who are well into their 50s or 60s and are competing still on the national tour with all these younger guys that are, you know, in their 20s, early 20s, mid-20s, early 30s. Um, and these guys are still pulling off pretty big wins against these guys. Um, so there is an argument that, you know, age doesn't really affect the bowler as long as they're keeping themselves in good condition, you know, until it really affects you as an older man. Have you heard of any bowlers taking performance enhancement drugs for bowling? Is that a thing? I've never heard like, of a bowler. Do they juice up? To yeah. be quite honest, I don't think there's anything we as bowlers could take as a drug to enhance our performance because it, you do have to have strength. You do have to have all this different at physical attributes definitely to roll the ball well. But it really comes down to a mental game and finesse. Um, so, you know, it's not like you're out there trying to jam the ball down the lane and, and overpower it usually it's it's when you're up on the lanes it, it's a process that feels so smooth and like you're finessing so much that you realize if you were to try to overdo it or or something like that in any way it would only harm you 
Uh, I just imagine some dude that's juiced up with one massive fucking arm, and he's just dusting it down the alley, and it's just... <laughs> yeah, dude, but sometimes well, that doesn't even work, dude. Bowling is you could have a guy chuck it down the lane straight at the head pin at 30 miles an hour. Yeah. But the entry, that comes back to the entry angle that we all know as bowlers in our world. A guy like that wouldn't be able to be probably accurate and consistent enough to create the same entry angle onto the pocket that you would have. That just sounds sexual. Maybe you're throwing it out on the like... lanes with, with a rev rate and your ball's hooking back to the pocket like everybody knows the pros usually yeah. do. That, the reason we do that is to create an entry angle into the 1-3 pocket or if you're a lefty it would be the one two um and when your ball creates a perfect entry angle into that pocket it's going to strike nine ten times out of ten if you hit it right whereas if you're going straight at it you're going to have less chances of striking more so i've known you most of my life glenn has known you for a good amount of time now. yeah six years glenn tell me the uh the story of when you first met Maverick when he was bowling? Well, it wasn't when I first met him, man, but uh, I can't – maybe it was a year into uh, Brianna, Brianna and I's relationship. We They always have, like, a family reunion where their family comes down from Ohio and uh, they go bowling. So, to me, I, I thought it was weird as shit. I was like, yeah, Bree's like, come on, let's go bowling. I was like, all right, cool. So, we wound up going. You probably and, thought you were going to just dust all these kids at bowling. I day. did, bro, because, you know, Bree talks shit, so I have to be her. Yeah. But she wound up whipping my ass, dude. I swear to God, I think the best bowl I ever had was maybe a 120. And now, and that's being serious. So that's, good. that's good for me. And that was me focusing and, like, really trying to hit a 300, which will never, palms, ever happen. Palm sweating. Yeah, dude. It's just, it's hard to me, man, because part of me gets frustrated with going up there taking your time and throwing it so like i'm just like fuck it dude and then i feel like when i don't try is actually when i hit the strikes and then it goes back to you know i start losing and i'm a sore loser so i already fucking know once i get down i'm gonna get mad as shit so we'll we'll revert back uh we were bowling uh, we were just dicking around whatever and i saw maverick bowling and i think he was on his own lane uh, maybe he was bowling with with jade i'm not sure and he kept bowling, and it was a strike. It was a strike. It was a strike. And what is there? Thir- Twelve frames. Uh, Twelve 10 frames. But if if uh, the 10th frame counts for three balls, if you throw a spare or a strike. So so yeah, essentially this guy is nailing down strikes, and you know we're getting down to the seventh, the eighth, and the ninth, and you have me, me being me, I'm over there fucking clapping, screaming, cheering, and everything. And I brought all the attention from the whole fucking bowling alley. And, man, like, I was excited, dude. I was genuinely excited. I've never seen someone bowl a 300 in my life. And being there in that moment and watching how zoned in and focused Maverick was, man, was was quite something. And it was crazy because, you know, you start getting down to the ninth, and he's bowling a strike, and then you're down on the 10th. And you have three frames in the 10th, right? Yeah, like I said, if you spare a strike yeah. that first ball, you're going to get three. Totals. So, yeah, so we're in the 10th. He hits a strike, and now everyone in the whole place, there had to be about 30 people there, is watching him, and they're screaming. And it, was like a, it was literally like a fucking... Watching a pro. Yeah, dude, it, it was it was really crazy, man. The energy in there was just was really weird, and uh, it was when I say weird, I, I say it was, it was awesome, man. It was just like you could feel it kind of rushing through you. Tenth comes, strike. Eleventh, strike. Twelfth, strike. And the thirteenth, this motherfucker... It would have been eleven strikes. Yeah, 11, 11, 11 strikes, 12. and then on the twelfth one... 
he fucking misses one pin. So he gets a 299. Everybody is screaming when that ball goes down. Everyone, I'm standing on one of those red chairs. I'm like, yeah, yeah, fucking let's go. And it looks perfect. And then, dude, the fucking thing just wiggles back and forth. So it was we a thought it, movie. As soon as that hit it and that thing was moving, eh, you could hear a fucking pin drop in that, that bowling alley, man. And uh, it just stood up and, you know, I got mad as fuck, dude. I was pissed. I think I was more mad than him. I was. I was in there screaming, dude. And I think I was more mad than him because I've never seen it and he's my boy and I wanted to, I didn't want to watch it. So, I mean, I've got the pleasure to see him do a 299. Hopefully one day I'll see a 300, but we don't know. So is that the worst feeling ever, getting a 299? No, it's it's it seems like it'd be the worst feeling ever. And I will say, maybe if I hadn't had a 300 before, it might be the worst feeling ever to step up there and throw a 299. Oh, I'd punch but, a child. If I, if, but, yeah. me, if I, I, I could never pull <laughs> that high, but if I got to the chance of getting a 300 and I missed by one pin, closest child's getting decked. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I, I've come to accept disappointment well, my whole life, so yeah. being a fucking New York sports fan. And one of the things you learn as a bowler, especially if you're competing in, in say, a PBA event, is they might offer a bonus prize mm-hmm. if you shoot 300 on television, but every match leading up to television, you're not getting any extra bonus for bowling a 300. The difference between you bowling a 300 and a 299 in qualifying would only be a one-pin difference in your standing. So you come to accept, like, your goal is to strike as much as possible and Mm -hmm. to pick up the spares that you do leave. And if you throw 11 strikes in a row and then throw nine the last ball for 299, in competition play and qualifying, that's extremely good game. If another guy shot 300, he's only ahead by one pin going into the next game. So... You shoot 260 the next game, and he shoots 259. You're tied. Yeah. Game too. So it just it kind of plays into just mathematics in your head. You're thinking, yeah, I want to bowl 300 every game, but mm-hmm. uh, and that is the goal technically. Um, but you get to a point where you know it almost it, you can tell the crowd almost wants you to hit that last one even more than you do yourself. Yeah. You know when you've been in that position before. Yeah. It's kind of like, all right, well, whatever way it goes, it goes. So have, have you seen an incident or a game that was like the Falcons playing the Patriots Super Bowl where someone was just so far ahead and then the other person comes back and wins by a fucking close one? Like an unrealistic, like almost loss. Like everyone's like, oh, this fucking guy's going to lose or this girl's going to lose. And they come back and then they win. I feel like that would up. be harder to do they, in, in I feel bowling. Like too, but if yeah. you have, I feel like it's possible. They like, come back and then they win and they just rub their dick all over the guy's bowling ball. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I, I, I don't know. I dude. will say, um, I can't think I can't think off the top of my head of, uh, of a pro match that I've seen where one guy's super behind and then comes back in the last few frames or something. Um, I'm sure there has been some that I'm not thinking of. But I will say... Um, I personally, you know, was doing a scratch uh, local tournament just a couple years ago. What's a scratch local tournament? Uh, a scratch means that everybody. So in the in the bowling tournament world, all PBA events are scratch. All professional tournaments are scratch, meaning nobody gets any extra pins. Oh, you don't get handicaps. You don't get any handicap pins. Um, in the local tournaments, a lot of time they'll have handicap pins to where if a guy averages his sanctioned average is under you know 200 or 220 he gets a certain amount of pins to add to his score each game which makes it uh, you know kind of more competitive, more competitive for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. um but 
so I was doing this scratch tournament a, a couple years ago, and I came out and I shot, I think, a 154 or a 158 my first game. And uh, I thought to myself, you know, I can either be defeated by this or I can try and come back uh, and keep my head in the game. And I ended up shooting, I think, like a 250, 260, maybe another 250 or 260 after that, and ended up being the top qualifier for all four Crazy. games and ended up winning that tournament. <laughs> Um, but I remember walking away from that night and that tournament thinking that just goes to show even if you come out with a 150 game while everyone else is at 200, if you shoot big the next and pull it together, you're you're never out of the game. You're never out of the fight. Yeah. So what, and this is a question I have, and I, I don't know, what does the party life look like for a professional bowler who's big time? Like, are there groupies? Like, are there girls, like, willing to get with bowlers? Like, is there, like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, I'll is there some kind of, like, click where these girls are like, oh, my God, this Kyle Troop, I want to, you know, yeah. SSD. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah, I want to yeah. shit on my chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll tell you what. I, I've i not been in their position where I have multiple tour titles, so I can't really say for certain. But back in the day, um, you know, I would say there were a lot of bowling groupies that were looking for the top tour players, and I would say still to this day, there are, you know, probably people that come in, um, they just fall, you know, they, especially if they like bowling and, you know, they're into one of the guys who's a top player, they might sort of idolize this person, yeah. coming to meet him in person and have a shot with them. So, yeah, I would say there are, so, there so are bowling people out, groupies. Some groupies out there that, um, you know, would really like to have their shot with a with a guy who's on tour and on TV and stuff. Um, so I, I mentioned this earlier with the performance enhancement drugs. Um, do you have, do professional bowlers get drug tested? Uh, I've never been drug tested in a PBA event. So you can um, just go fucking do some kind of coke. Song. That's what. Yeah, I mean, popping out all. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say. I think part of the reason why I've never been drug tested and the other guys don't necessarily have to to that standard is because I think the PBA recognizes too that there's not really a whole lot we could do like when you're bowling your best is when you're feeling completely natural and everything's flowing completely natural so if you're taking any sort of drug to try and enhance your performance or or, uh, or just coke. you know, or just you know, <laughs> or or jack you up or whatever. Just shooting heroin. Um, you know, yeah. it's, like I said, it's such a finesse game. You have to have a hundred percent wire focus, honestly, to compete on that level. Um, yeah, I do feel like day, it would be you have hard. To have extreme yeah. hand-eye coordination to be able to hit the same target over and over. So there's what, not really anything you could do to make you better. Bowl yeah, I, math. yeah. I don't know if I would do coke and bowl because there's a lot of waiting. No, like you'd you, you be, wait, you'd be chucking well, I, the ball down the lane, not knowing what the hell you're well, doing. I've personally never done coke, but I can say that I have. From, when I've seen people who've done coke, <laughs> well, it was, it was probably not able to just sit there. Nah, that's wait. what I'm saying, dude. Like, why would you take a, a stimulant and then you know throw one ball down the lane and then wait? 10 minutes to go back again. I mean, uh, I could be speaking on my ass because when I go, it's with five or six people. So if there's a, a like a, a tournament, maybe there's two and you're going every two minutes. But even still, it's like that's probably not enjoyable. I'd probably want to do like a downer, like a Xanax or something. Well, what I'm saying is if if this was a thing, like if this was allowed in bowling, if I'm allowed to sit there and have a beer while playing, I know it's completely different than drugs. Yeah. But now, listen, I will say this. we We, going into a PBA event, 
we do go in under the, you know, you would go in under the pretenses that you are not, you're kind of, you're kind of almost signing a contract by being in the event that you're agreeing you're not going to be on any substances to affect your performance. But that's, but that doesn't mean that they're drug testing everybody. Um, It's kind of just like a respect that each player has, like, Look, we we understand you're probably not doing anything, and if you are, you're probably just gonna bowl bad because of it. I, I mean, can see that. It's definitely yeah. I it's mean, not a sport uh, where you have to. It's you know, a guy about. could roll up to a tournament and chug a chug yeah. a half bottle of vodka to calm his nerves before he goes in, but it's just gonna bite him in the ass because he's not gonna be able to maintain uh, with the rest of the field. Unless he's got a high tolerance. <laughs> I've seen some fuckers chug out. <laughs> yeah. Have to face them. Yeah. Nah, man. What what kind of jewel are you smoking right now? I'm just I'm just on the jewel three percent menthol pods. No, does that help mellow you out when you do? You, do you smoke it while playing? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I try not to. But I'd say I'd say you know, smoking a cigarette or or nicotine in between. It it just depends on if you're a cigarette smoker or you know a nicotine guy. But it can help calm your nerves in a sense. But I would not say that nicotine makes you better in any way if you've just gone and smoked a cigarette it, because. You know, it, it really all just comes down to the focus you have on each yeah. shot. All right, um, so if we if we had any young viewers, which I, that would be awful, I, I feel bad for them. Um, it's had, 2020. So, yeah, if you had a it's 2020. Oh, it, it, it is holy shit, it's 2021, dude. That's how yeah. I'm still living in 2020, my New bad. Year. New Year, Damn. Don't edit that. I want so, that in there. Oh, it'll be in there. <laughs> if you had to give a new bowler a piece of advice, what would it be? I know the first one would be don't do coke. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Dare program. Um, especially if you're in competitive play. You don't want to be fucked up while you're competing. Um, the biggest piece of advice I would say is, uh, honestly, and this goes back to every other sport, but the biggest piece of advice I would say is to practice as much as you can and not doubt yourself. Basically, believe in yourself even when you think Maybe you're not as good as some of these other guys. You have no idea how much, even though you might not think you're as good as these other guys, that simple concept in your mind of believing that you are can affect your performance to the point where you might just pull off a win against some of these guys that that you know are your role models and that you idolize because they have to believe that they're going to win too. Um, so anybody who really wants to compete at a high level, I'd say you got to believe that you can win. Um, and if you really just don't believe that at all, then practice more until you get to the point where you believe you can win. I think it's possible for everybody that commits themselves to it. You gotta yeah. earn it to burn it. Yeah. So, how the fuck did you become a rapper, dude? Like, let's talk about that. Yeah. Like, we had you. Whoa, 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 before, before that, one more bowling question. And then yeah. Okay. All right, one more. So, we talked about 2021, New Year. 2021. What is the goal for 2021 for bowling? Okay, so I'm I've actually I've, I've talked about it with a few people already. My goal for 2021 um, is to attend, and I you know I have I have a business enterprise that I'm working with outside of bowling, so I don't make a living off of bowling. But my goal is to bowl as many PBA events as I can in 2021, whether they're the regional level or the national level. Um, and so, of course, I'd love to win a PBA event, win a, get a PBA title by the end of this year. Um, is that the goal? 
I think that would be the goal, to win a PBA title by the end of this year. Um, more likely a regional title, just because I know as a fact that I can compete on the regional tour. Mm-hmm. Um, the national tour is even a step up above from that. The guys are just that much better. And I believe I can compete on the national tour, too. I just believe that everything takes some time and that the regional tour title will probably come to me first. Do you think luck has anything to do with that? Yeah. Luck luck has a lot to do with bowling. But one thing I've learned about bowling is as much as luck has to do with it, that luck a lot of time is based, it's still based off your performance and your energy that you're putting out there. Mm. So if you come in, that's what I'm saying. If you come in, if you're the best in the world, but you come in doubting Big yourself dick energy. against your opponent, you're <laughs> doubting that you're going to win. Or I'm, yeah, so if, if you're the best in the world, but you go up against an opponent, and in your mind you're like, I can't beat this guy. It's just going to be too hard. You're probably not going to beat him. You're, I mean, yeah. Nine times out of ten, you're going to lose that match if you don't even believe that you're going to win the match. So um, you have to have luck, and you have to believe in yourself. And I found the more you believe in yourself, the more luck you have. So we got a couple minutes left. Glenn hit on it. You'd like to do a little bit of rapping. Uh, I said it earlier, your, our intro to our actual podcast is one of your rap songs. So real yeah. quick, give <laughs> us a little background of, of your rap career. And then spit two, two sentences yeah, of, spit, of yeah, that. You, you have to, dude. Like, we got you on here. Freestyle. Yes, you can. You can. Uh, all right. You don't have to. If you're not going to freestyle, give us off one I mean, of your I songs. I give you some bars from a That's song what I want to hear. Yeah, let's hear That's bars. what I want to hear. Let's go. All right. Um, well, I started rapping and really enjoying music just really based on the fact that I always enjoyed it the people don't know too I actually um, I tried to write some music and recorded a little few things when I was 14 years old mm. um, and then from that point I didn't really record anything else and then I picked it up a, a, again at about you know 16 17 years old and since then I've been kind of on and off just whenever I'm Whenever I'm in the mode to make a to make a song or make a, a tape or an album or something like that, um, make a, most make all of which is unreleased still. Yeah, um, you know, I just hop on the mic and, and music to me is one of those things where it's an art form that you can just express yourself um, as much as you want, and there's no rules to what you can say or do, which I love about it. So, you know, for me to hop on the mic and write something up or even just try and freestyle something no matter how it turns out is it's always been a really fun process to me um i really enjoy making music and uh, i would say i always liked writing too i actually um when i went back to high school in 11th grade and i finished the whole year there in northern guilford i was taking a creative writing class that year um just because i loved creative writing um which has to do with songwriting too. Mm-hmm. Is, is it like so, that? Is it like that creative writing in uh? What was that movie? Twenty Two Jump Street. Remember when he goes <laughs> up and he, he does the the poetry at the beginning? Oh yeah, what's that called? That oh, fuck, it I can't like remember. Poetry. Yeah. Oh, slam poetry. Slam poetry. Slam that's it. Yeah, yeah. You have to do that at the beginning. I've never done slam poetry, especially not in front of a crowd. That's that's but funny. I would say slam poetry in a way is a lot of the same essence as if you're making up on the spot and it's improvised, I would say slam poetry is a lot like freestyle rap. Um, I just remember the part where you yeah. just, you're just going beep. with what yeah. you feel. And, I you can't, I, I watched that movie so many times and I can't remember what the fuck he says. I used to, I used to say it all the time back yeah, and now I'm putting me on the spot. I can't remember, but, uh, talking about poetry, man, you got to give us something. 
At I, least I, I a little with, something. Hit us with two bars from a song. Maybe an unreleased one, or even from the one that might be on our intro. Just hit us with something. Yeah, we good. Okay. Um, let's see. Let's see here. On the spot. Nah, this is hard. I, I, I don't know if I can do it. I couldn't do it. I'm not a rapper. Alright, I'll give y'all a little something from a song that I just recorded recently that y'all haven't heard. It's not gonna, you know, it's just gonna be acapella, so. That's fine. Let's see. Um, Luckily. I ain't never been okay. A mental case. I'm sharp like metal blades on dinner plates. I grab for the pen and stay in kennel phase. Cause my dog's staying fed like tennis plays. It's finna get laid to rest. I might save the rest of my breath and lay the mic next to my bed. I bet that I can expect some height, but instead they throw shade in my direction. My head is still in my ass. I'm clenching my He's ass. going off. I'm going past aggression. <laughs> Want to pass a message off to the press that I'm back and hungry like Budapest. Oh, shit. He just finger gunned it. 102 in park <laughs> on the air. <laughs> Sway in the morning. Just heard this shit live in New York. I need to flip up my erection and my waistband. Dude, that was... We heart. said, we said give us two sentences and the motherfucker spit 50 bars. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. This, I felt like I was on 8 Mile. Dude, that was good. That energy in the room just went up yeah. a lot. I so, appreciate y'all. Honestly. Yeah, man. I, was, I mean, we appreciate you. Yeah, dude. I mean, you're the first guest we had for... The Fairly Odd Show, we, we talked about wanting to do odd sports, odd yeah. special sports. Yeah. We talked about yeah. bowling. Look at us making moves. We got a, we got a pro, former <laughs> wine to be, soon going to be, 2021's in yeah. here for professional bowling. Got him on. So we appreciate you, man, for coming on. So we have to get your word right now that if you get a championship, uh, win a title, we're going to get you and you're going to work on getting Kyle Troop in here and we're going to shit talk each other live. Oh, I like it. Shit. I like it. All right. Well, listen, I can't promise anything, <laughs> but I can promise that I'll reach out to him if All that right. happens. And there I'll, we go. So If he's yeah. down, um, you know, we can do it. All right. I'm with it, man. So that was Matt Makovic. Uh, do you want to give a shout-out to your, all your Instagram and your oh, social yeah. media? Yeah, where can everybody, uh, all of our viewers yeah, find yeah. you? Um, shit, man. Uh, I, I mostly use Instagram these days, although I haven't, you know, been too active with posting on there. But you can follow uh, Mav, M-A-V, uh, Mac M A C K with an underscore at the end. Um, that would be my Instagram username. Twitter, I believe, is Mav Makovic with an underscore. Um, so you, so. yeah, you heard it here first. He's our intro for our podcast. So if you want to listen to his music, just follow him on there. We're gonna yeah, play yeah. more of his music. What's your SoundCloud? Oh yeah, SoundCloud. That's important. SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Uh, if you guys want to find my SoundCloud, you're gonna have to look up Maverick. Um, and then my last name, Makovic, which is M-A-C-K-O-V as in Victor, I-C. Perfect. Love it, dude. Thank you for taking the time to come on here, man. I, I learned a little bit of insight into the bowling world, and uh, you heard a you know, bowler-turned-professional rapper <laughs> soon to come, man. I love it. So It's all the, in the works. With that segment coming to an end, if our audience, you guys want to hear anything specific when it comes to sports-wise, let us know. Go to our Instagram, check us out. But the Fairly Odd Show, comment on one of our most, we're going to post a picture of Mav Makovic. So we have it for our little diary for us. Um, the show that we've talked to an up-and-coming bowler. Uh, if you want to see a, or us talk to a specific professional player in whatever sport it is, the weirder the better, let us know. That'd be great. Uh, so we appreciate you for coming out, Mav. Yep, yep. Thank you guys for having me on here. I appreciate it. It was uh, it was a good time to sit here and, and chat it up with you guys about everything. So. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. All right, well, this has been the Fairly Odd Show with our interview with Matt. I'm Brandon. And I'm Glenn. Yeah, buddy. See you later. <laughs>